The U.S. economy added more than expected jobs in April, but falling participation rates raise concern. FDA restricts Johnson Johnson COVID-19 vaccine over risk of blood clotting. California vows to become sanctuary state for abortion and could see 3,000% increase of abortion from out of state. Elon Musk calls for investigation into groups pressuring advertisers and who are behind those groups. Xi Jinping announced to go all the way with zero COVID policy. And what could this lead CCP to? Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the We and Kathy show. I'm your host, Kathy Zhang. Um, Wei is uh, still not back yet. So, um, you know, just, uh, but the, today we'll have uh, quite a few news to share with you and some analysis along with that. Again, you know, uh, with the aftermath of this leaked uh, Supreme Court ruling, draft ruling leaked to the state, uh, to the um, media, all, diff- you know, the red states, the blue states, all, all reacting to uh, the purported uh, overturn of the Roe v. Wade case and uh, California, what's happening with California. And uh, you probably could expect, but what's the detail uh, behind it? So we'll share with uh, you about that and also what are the red states are doing. But uh, first of all, let's uh, take a look at some of the news today. The U.S. economy added a higher than expected jobs in April, which is good news. It added um, 428,000 jobs, which is higher than the expected 400,000 jobs. The unemployment rate was at 3.6%. just a little bit higher than expected, which was um, 3.5%. According to the Department of Labor, however, the labor force participation rate declined to 62.2% from 62.4%, and which is the lowest since this year. The largest drop growth um, in April came from the leisure and the hospitality sector, which added 78,000. Retail trade also showed some growth, adding 29,000 jobs, primarily in food and beverage store sectors. That shows a little bit, you know, relief to those uh, retail sectors. And some other jobs added in like manufacturing and uh, other area. The average wage for all employees on private non-farm payrolls rose by 0.3% in April, which is lower than 0.4% in March, down to the lowest point for this year. So that kind of casted some shadow. The United States economy rebounded from the pandemic much faster than expected and also it's faster than economies around the world. The demand uh, from the United States um, you know, consumers continues to grow 
and strong, the spending remains solid, especially in the services such as uh, concerts and travel. Employers are trying to hire workers to meet the needs and uh, posted 11.5 uh, million jobs openings earlier this spring, which is the highest since 2000. Along with the job growth, the, the economy experienced its uh, worst growth quarter since the start of the um, COVID pandemic, with worker output falling 7.5% in the first three months, the largest uh, slowdown since 1947 and uh, the second worst quarter of, on the record. The gross uh, domestic product fell 1.4% between January and March. In the meantime, the 40-year record high inflation is holding back the growth. The Federal Reserve announced uh, on May 4th that it will raise its benchmark interest rate by half a percent point. Companies are still facing the gap of more than 5.5 million jobs between the open positions and the available workers. The chief U.S. economist at Oxford Economist, uh, her name is uh, Kathy Borgesis, told the Wall Street Journal that from the Fed's perspective, their biggest concern is our wage price spiral. What does that mean? She's referring to a situation where wage increases ex uh, exacerbate, um, exacerbate the inflation, which in turn further drives away, uh, further drives wage increase as employers try to pass on higher cost to consumers. So she believes the way out is to get more people into the labor market. So that's why the declining of labor force participation rate in April is not a positive sign. On the other hand, the supply side of the economy could not keep up with the spending, especially with many exporting countries also struggling with the pandemic. China's ports have suffered a series of closure under the so-called zero COVID policy. That will have, a, actually we will have a, a more detailed report on the most updated development in China on this. So the next piece of news, it's uh, about the Food and Drug Administration announced yesterday on the May 5th that it will restrict the use of the Johnson Johnson COVID-19 vaccine to adults who cannot receive the mRNA vaccines. FDA said it is because of the risk, risk of potentially life-threatening side effects with the Johnson Johnson shot. In the statement, FDA officials said that they re-evaluated the data and found that the risk of TTS may occur within two weeks of the vaccination. This uh, TTS refers to a rare form of blood clotting, which is life-threatening. FDA said that uh, Johnson Johnson COVID-19 vaccine can now only be administered, administered to people aged 18 and older who cannot receive either the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine. We know there are two, um, these two 
vaccines are two-dose vaccines and they use an RMA um, technology. But the Johnson Johnson vaccine is a single shot and use uh, adenovirus technology. So what does um, FDA means by those cannot receive the mRNA vaccine? The agency gave some examples of people who may be allergic to the mRNA vaccine or have concerns about receiving mRNA and would not otherwise get a COVID vaccine. But it did not spell very clearly how the new guidelines will be enforced. Johnson Johnson on Thursday issued a statement following the FDA's announcement saying that, um, quote, data continues to support a favorable benefit risk profile for the Johnson Johnson COVID-19 vaccine in adults when compared with no vaccine, end quote. So in regards to the um, COVID-19 vaccine, I had a series of um, an interview with uh, Dr. Paul Alexander. He specifically talked about the vaccine, um, what it could bring, uh, but this interview was only posted on our channel on SafeChat. So if you are interested, you can go back uh, to watch it if you have not done so. All right, so now let's talk about the what's happening after the leak of the Supreme Court draft ruling suggesting the justices would overturn Roe v. Wade case. And what's happening in the different states around the country. So this leaked draft ruling shows that the, you know, it, the Roe v. Wade could be overturned and uh, it would shift the power to the states on abortion policies. So red states and the blue states around the country are reacting swiftly and differently for sure. Um, to uh, such uh, news. Some states are moving to limit and even impose penalty on abortion, and some states, for example, California, is moving to make itself a sanctuary city for abortion. So before we go to uh, California, where Kathy, you know, we, um, and we are living here right now, let's take a look at what other red states are doing. At least 26 states in the country would ban abortion almost immediately if the Supreme Court ruling becomes final. That's according to the Gutmatcher Institute, which is a pro-abortion research group. In its study, 13 states are poised to enact immediately uh, immediate abortion bans, and another 13 states could quickly follow suit if the Supreme Court overturns Roe. Those states are Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, and Wyoming, which just passed uh, their uh, its uh, triggering law last month. So what it means is that once the Supreme Court overturned the Roe v. Wade case, the state will, it will trigger its ban on abortion. And then there are also 
five additional states with an abortion ban still on the book from before Roe v. Wade. They could be reinstated if the law is overturned, according to uh, Gut Matcher's uh, research. So what are the five states? They are Alabama, Arizona, Michigan, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. So totally, the overturning of uh, Roe v. Wade could trigger at least 18 states to ban abortions almost immediately. Gutmacher reports that um, four more states, including Georgia, Iowa, Ohio, and South Carolina, Carolina, all have laws banning abortion after the six weeks mark, which have been ruled unconstitutional, but would likely to be revisited if Roe is overturned. And according to this uh, analysis, four additional states, they are Florida, Indiana, Montana, and Nebraska are likely to ban or severely restrict abortions if Roe v. Wade is overturned. So, and uh, uh, besides that, some states are also preparing to revive old law laws that impose significant penalties on abortion. For example, in Louisiana, the Republican House of Representatives just uh, advanced a bill classifying abortion as homicide from the moment of fertilization and allowing prosecutors to charge both patients and the providers with murder. And in Arkansas, the state's triggering ban will make abortion a felony, except to save the life of the mother. And the premise is the Supreme Court, in fact, overturns Roe v. Wade. So I just wonder, in our audience right now, are you in those states, 26 states? If you are, would you please just uh, let me know, you know, which state you are in right now, and so that we can have uh, some idea of uh, uh, who you are, you know, uh, uh, on this issue. All right, so let's take a look at the blue state, which is led by um, California. California Governor Gavin Newsom and the leaders of the California legislatures, who are all Democrats, vowed to make the state of California the sanctuary city for a uh, sanctuary state for abortion. California could see up to a 3,000 increase in the number of people coming for uh, the procedure if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. That's again according to the Gutmacher Institute's study. So what are the details? Immediately following the Supreme Court leak suggesting that the justices would uh, overturn Roe v. Wade, Governor Gavin Newsom and other California Democratic leaders accelerated their plan to make California a sanctuary state for women seeking abortion on Monday night. That's when the news uh, came out about the leaked document, California Democratic leaders immediately unveiled a plan for a state constitutional amendment on the November ballot, asking voters to ensure continued access to abortion services 
So they wanted to amend the California Constitution. So that has to be a voter-approved amendment. But actually, in, back in 1972, there has been already a voter-approved amendment in California's Constitution to protect the right to privacy, which applies to abortion. So in California, abortion is already protected, but the Democratic leaders in California wants to make another step forward. The Democrats control the California state legislatures, in fact, have already written 13 bills related to abortion services. The bills range from authorizing more medical providers to perform abortions to creating scholarship for reproductive care doctors and blocking other states from accessing some California medical records so that they won't be able to find out uh, who they performed the abortion procedure to, the out-of-state patients. And uh, also there are bills to create fund, a fund for taxpayer money to help pay for women in state where abortion is illegal to come to California to get the procedure. And uh, that money will cover basically all the expenses for those women coming from other states, including their, you know, the living cost, the transportation, and the, the child care if they have other children, and even for the missing wage because of they came they, because they come to uh, California for the procedure. And yesterday, on May 5th, Democrats in the state legislature fast-tracked a bill that would block other states' laws from imposing civil or criminal penalties on people who provide aid abortions in California. As a matter of fact, the California Democrats has been preparing for this a long time ago um, before Politico leaked the draft ruling and have taken a number of steps to ensure it's a sanctuary state for abortion services. For example, in May 2019, Governor Newsom signed a proclamation on reproductive freedom to welcome people seeking abortion to California. And in September 2021, Newsom signed a slate of legislations to heighten privacy around abortions and uh, declared California as a reproductive freedom state. One of the bills requires information on the abortion procedure to be sent to the patient exclusively rather than to additional members on a health plan, such as uh, guardians of minors. Another bill penalizes individuals who post personal information about other people who work for or go to reproductive health centers. Again, in March 2022, this year, Newsom signed a bill to make abortion cheaper by limiting the health insurance, by um, banning the health insurers from imposing copay, deductibles, or other cost-sharing requirements for abortions and abortion-related services. California, you know, in fact, 
has already been one of the six states that requires health insurance plan to cover abortion services. In the meanwhile, the California Legislative Women's Caucus has asked Newsom for $20 million, $20 million to help pay for women from other states where abortion would be outlawed to come to California for the procedure and to pay for the services that uh, I just talked about, right? All the costs related to uh, those women who come for the procedure. And it's, it was, it's expected that uh, Governor Newsom could announce it in his revised budget proposal next week. According to Gutmetrics Institute's study, it says that California could see up to a 3,000% increase in the number of people coming from outside out of the state for abortion if the Supreme Court allows states to totally ban abortion. This study shows most of those people would be driving from Arizona. And, but also people could just fly from out of state if they are far away. In fact, there has already been people arriving from out of the state for abortion care uh, in California. For example, in Santa Clara County, where the Silicon Valley is, the county supervisor, Cindy Chavez, who is now also running for the mayor of the uh, city of San Jose, requested a $3 million injection from the county's board for Planned Parenthood, Mar Monti, which is a local parent, um, Planned Parenthood organization, to bolster its services. Its health centers have, been, have seen 80 people from out of the state since June 2021. And that's according to a release on April 29th, just a week ago. But it also anticipated a greater influx. So that's what California is up to. And uh, I'm, I know we have uh, California, uh, yeah, audience from uh, California. So what do you think of this? Have you heard about it? You know, what do you think of this? Leave your comments here. So let's see, um, before I go on, you know, let's take a look at some of your comments. And uh, Cope said, no wonder why Democratic Democrats keep the border wide open for illegal immigrants. Okay. Um, Okay, so um, River Beach Farm said it's not in our constitution to allow the killing of unborn children. Louis, you are right. Okay, yeah, so yeah, continue, um, you know, please continue to leave your comments here. Um, and uh, let's um, just uh, discuss this issue. All right, so Let's uh, talk up. Let's uh, you know continue with uh, just follow up on what's happening with uh, a Twitter deal. Since uh, Elon Musk, 
you know, sealed this deal with Twitter to take over the company for $44 million. Of course, it's still in the process. And um, Elon Musk recently called for an investigation against groups that are pressuring the advertisers uh, to boycott Twitter. Uh, and uh, Musk have, has been a vocal critic of uh, Twitter's uh, content censorship measure, and uh, it's expected that he will change those policies when he takes over. So what happened was uh, following Elon Musk's uh, acquisition, 26 groups reportedly sent letters to companies and corporations such as uh, Coca-Cola, Kraft uh, Foods, and uh, Disney calling to boycott Twitter if Musk makes changes to the company. The organizations include left-wing groups like uh, Black Lives Matter, Gender Equity Policy Institute, and the pro-abortion groups such as uh, NARAL, Pro-Choice America, Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choices, and some feminist group like Women's Rights, among others. The organizations claim that Elon Musk's takeover of um, Twitter, this is a quote, will fully toxify our information ecosystem and be a direct threat to public safety, end quote. And they also wrote, that's a quote again, as top advisors on Twitter, your brand risks association with a platform amplifying hate extremist health in misinformation and conspiracy theories. The letter called on to those companies to request Twitter, quote, continues to uphold the practice that serve as um, guideposts for other big tech platforms, or otherwise to threat Musk's uh, Twitter that um, they will pull advertising spending from Twitter if they are not. So that's basically what those 26 groups want the big companies uh, who are the advertiser of uh, Twitter do. So what's Elon Musk's response? He called for an investigation into those organizations. On May 3rd, he tweeted, who is funding those organizations that want to control your access to information. Let's investigate. And he continued, sunlight is the best disinfectants. On May 4th, Musk tweeted again and that he included a Daily Mail's report saying that, I wonder if those fundings, these, um, these organizations are fully aware of what the organizations are doing. So this letter signed by the 26 groups was uh, sent on a head, uh, headed, headed paper bearing the logos of um, three organizations called uh, Accountable Tech, Media Matters for America, and uh, Ultraviolent. So, in the Daily Mail's article, it uh, had uh, in-depth reporting on those three groups on the headers of the uh, letter and also many 
of the other 26 groups who signed the letter. The article revealed who are the fundings, uh, who are funding these groups. That includes George Soros Open Society Foundation and uh, some uh, nonprofit organizations by former Clinton, uh, former President Clinton and Obama administration staffers, and also some wealthy Democrats donors and their family foundations, as well as labor union and the government of European nations. And uh, of course, some of the groups of funding sources are not disclosed. So yeah, if you're interested, you can you know, go to look at, read the Daily Mail uh, article. So, all right. Um, Louis said that now, so now California wants to be a destination place for abortion. This is sad. Kitty Hawks and sounds like he may be planning legal actions. That's referring to Elon Musk, right? And uh, Didi said, uh, Elon, please buy up all social media and the television stations. Okay. Um, all right. So now let's go to um, the updates from China uh, in regards to the COVID policy. The Chinese Communist government has just announced that it, it is determined to carry out the zero COVID until its victory. Even though, you know, it's, um, we have shown you so many um, tragedies is happening in China, especially in Shanghai and other cities. And someone, you know, people may wonder, any people with a common sense probably would rethink if such kind of a zero COVID policy and lockdown, you know, should be still continued. However, according to the state-run media CCTV, the General Secretary Xi Jinping spoke to the Politburo Standing Committee on May 5th, and he made a very forceful statement saying that maintain zero COVID policy and never waver. So that's the original words. Let's take a look. He, Xi Jinping said, unswiveringly adhere to the general policy of dynamic zero COVID and resolutely fight against all distortions, doubts, and the denials of our epidemic prevention policy. So that's the very central meaning of his uh, speech. CCTV actually used, uh, reported on this with uh, over a five minute reporting, but actually it was just read out. The whole thing, the whole five minutes was read out by the CCTV anchor without any original words from Xi Jinping. And uh, you would have found you know, to any Western audience, you will find it's very weird, right? There's no original words, but uh, that was kind of typical in the CCTV's reporting. So for people who are familiar with the Chinese Communist government, what Xi Jinping said is very similar to Chairman Mao's famous slogan 
of carrying the revolution all the way to the end. But this time, Xi Jinping might carry the Chinese Communist Party to an end. And that's um, how, you know, uh, kind of our auditorial analysis. And uh, we'll show you why. So what's, um, what, when, when did Mao had this uh, famous uh, slogan, carry the revolution to the end? That's right before the Yangtze River crossing battle in 1949. Mao was advised to stop at the Yangtze River and rule half of the country over there and leaving the other side of the country to Kuomintang, which is the Chinese Nationalist Party. But uh, Mao rejected the idea and uh, published an eloquent article titling Carry the Revolution to the End. So at the time, he led the Chinese Communist Party army crossed the Yangtze River and then ended the life of the Chinese Nationalist Party in mainland China. But Xi Jinping's speech is another very resounding carried the revolution to the end. Only this time it could end its own life. So why we, you know, why that's such a big possibility? We have to look at the geopolitical landscape for CCP right now, both external and internal. So externally, it has been setting up enemies from all sides. For example, uh, with the European Union, the European Union and the Chinese Communist government in 2013 began to talk about the China-EU investment agreement, which is called the Comprehensive Agreement on Investment. Because since China was allowed into WTO in 2001, the European Union has kept its WTO commitments and opened its market to China. However, the Chinese Communist government has used all kinds of excuses not to open um, reciprocally. So um, any EU company has uh, joint ventures in China has to share and transfer the technology, which is you know, similar to any US companies investing in China. So the negotiation between China and the EU took seven years and a total of 35 rounds of negotiation. Finally, it was concluded on December 30th, 2020. So what is the content of this uh, China-EU investment agreement? Basically, it's a one-sided agreement that uh, China would open up to the EU in the following areas, including telecom, cloud service, computer services, automotive, um, automotive industry, healthcare, manufacturing, maritime transportation, aircrafts, um, commerce, finance, construction services, etc. It's very wide. And uh, China would gradually lift foreign investment restrictions and allow the establishment of uh, EU wholly owned companies in China. So that's according to that investment agreement. So here, you know, we have to just insert a comment. When you see an agreement signed 
with the Chinese Communist government with the word gradual in it. Then it most likely will be the same as just nothing. Because the CCP will drag on and drag on with this gradual thing until it finishes uh, taking all the advantages of you know, the other party. The Chinese Communist Party's commitment to join WTO is gradual, remember? And uh, it says um, with Hong Kong, you know, it will have a 50 year, have Hong Kong to have 50 year um, self governance, right? But, you know, all of a sudden, without half of the 50 year pass by, it just all of a sudden threw out the whole thing. And the Chinese Communist Party um, promised Obama administration to open up the books of the US stock exchange listed companies was gradual. So it never really happened until um, President uh, Trump just, uh, you know, enforced uh, at the end of um, 2020. The China-European uh, Investment Agreement was negotiated for seven years. Think about it, which is supposed to be so when China was allowed to the WTO. And within the seven years of the negotiation, the CCP fully took advantage of that time period. So anyway, after seven years and the 35 runs of the negotiation, the result, you know, anyway, they got a result, which is good, right? However, five months later, in May 2021, the European Parliament voted uh, overwhelmingly to freeze this investment agreement because the EU's uh, sanctions against the Chinese Communist government's human rights abuse in Uyghur. So the CCP counter-sanctioned EU officials and the scholars, which made the U European Union so angry and cut off the investment agreement altogether. So you probably could imagine how angry the Europeans were when they got the unilateral benefit of the investment agreement after seven years of the suffering but had to cut it off. Then seven months later in December 2021, the, the European Union released the Global Gateway Infrastructure Plan. What is that? That's an envision of that's really like the responding of the uh, Europe in, uh, against China's uh, One Belt, One Road uh, policy. And uh, the Chinese Communist Party started to fight against each other in various places. After that, relationship between the two sides, between China and the EU, went all the way down, you know, in all aspects. The Chinese Communist government's uh, support for Russia's invasion of uh, Ukraine has actually brought EU and China relationship to the edge. But the funny thing is, you know what? The feeling of the Europeans are almost invisible to the Chinese Communist Party leaders. So the EU was totally disappointed by the negotiations at the April 1st China-EU summit. The polite EU officials, uh, the foreign ministers, just described that meeting as a 
a chicken and a duck conversation or just talking with a deaf person. At the end of April, the German Chancellor uh, Strauss chose the Japan as it's his first stop on the trip, on the first trip to Asia. That broke the custom that the former Chancellor Angela Merkel, who has established that making China always the first stop on every visit to uh, Asia. And uh, some German media even called uh, this new chancellor's uh, Asian trip actually an anti-China trip. So the era of a large-scale investment in China by the EU is over, and it is impossible to reverse. Because you know there are other factors like rising transportation costs and uh, the rising uh, labor costs in China, the, the deterioration of the business environment in China, and the completely unbearable way of uh, preventing the you know, the, the COVID nineteen um, policy, the zero policy, zero COVID policy in Shanghai and uh, coming to other state cities as well. So, and the other considerations are the threat and the risk to the supply chain due to such um, COVID, a zero COVID policy. So Europe is now significantly increase its military budget. And uh, so um, they are also talking about uh, uh, in Germany to review, to kind of uh, review a Merkel's uh, pro-Russian and pro-China uh, policy. So Europe now sees the Chinese Communist government as a threat, that's for sure, and not an ally. An ally. And uh, the Chinese Communist Party has hardened its policy with the EU, which has you know, uh, not been so for a long time. So after the European Union decided not to continue the same policy with the Chinese Communist government anymore, who will fill up the vacuum? So the EU Ex Executive Committee President von der Leyen recently visited India and issued a joint statement on April 25th. They announced the establishment of a special committee on trade and the technology to promote cooperation between Europe and India. And historically, the United States was previously the only country to sign a similar Indo-European technology agreement with the EU and India's second. And India is to strengthen their strategic partnership, calling it a strategic coordination mechanism. So that's uh, can can see how uh, India can especially take the advantage uh, from the such a change. Now uh, let's take a look at the United States. Secretary of State Blinken was scheduled to give an important foreign policy speech yesterday, but it was said that he had to postpone it because he contracted uh, COVID. But the Wall Street Journal said on the same day it obtained the contents of the speech showing that a Biden administration is ready to reaffirm to the outside world that uh, the Chinese Communist government is the biggest 
geopolitical rival of the United States, not Russia. The political environment just turns out to be that uh, the Chinese Communist Party just keep um, has been kept handing the ammunitions to the United States to fight itself. You know that includes the South China Sea issue, the Hong Kong issue, and Taiwan Strait, and the Uyghur Xinjiang issue, the pandemic, and the wolf worry. Wolf warrior diplomacy by the Chinese officials, and also recently the Russia-Ukraine war. How the CCP stands on that? On that. So not only the political figures, many in Korean, uh, many in Korea bureaucrats in the United States administrative units, especially the military personnel in the Pentagon, have shifted their thinking to the direction that. Um, Lincoln was going to deliver, um, but uh, they have. Some of them have uh, actually realized that earlier than Blinken, of course. So that means that uh, the Biden administration and the current uh, State Department's policy toward China is to work with uh, allies to confront and compete with China and to build guardrail. To prevent competition from turning into outright hostility, so from our standpoint, it's actually not strong enough. But it's certainly、uh, it's for sure that the U.S.-China relationship will not get better and won't get go back to、uh, what's implemented、uh, for the past forty decades, which is called the engagement policy. Because the United States government no longer believes that a policy of engagement is the way to work with the communist China. Remember last time we shared、uh, my interview with、uh, General David Stilwell. He believes that uh, uh, actually from the Trump administration they figured out that they have、uh, the United the United States should use. Transactional diplomacy instead of the traditional diplomacy. So it looks like the Biden administration is a little too slow,、uh, but、uh, in any ways,、uh, it's coming around. Looks like. So that's about the external environment that the communist、uh, China is now facing. So now,、uh, what's the what's the internal situation? First,、uh, you know, we have to also take a look at、uh, the history from the past, you know, decade or so. In 2008 financial crisis, the United States collapsed by, you know, almost half, but the Chinese Communist government came through relatively unscratched. And then in 2010,、uh, China's GDP surpassed Japan. And then you know the Chinese government just figured maybe it will you know surpass the United States pretty soon. Therefore, Xi Jinping just you know he had this saying: "East is up,、um, and the West is down. East means China, and the West means the United States." And then all you know many of the courses have been changed since then. In response to the Trump administration's change in the U.S.-China trade 
imbalance, Xi Jinping's reply was to carry forward the spirit of struggle and strengthen the skills of struggle, uh, which you know is uh, very typical for the Chinese Communist Party, and uh, he. Uh, he tried to counter the U.S. policy and actions against the Communist China with increasing assertiveness with uh, um, people called uh, war, uh, wolf warrior diplomacy. With very you know hard-handed and you know with strong uh, words when they doing the diplomacy against the United States, and that became the new uh, diplomatic norm for the Chinese Communist Party. So that means the Chinese government failed to recognize a clear interpretation um, of the situation in China, uh, you know, how, what's the change in the EU and uh, the surrounding countries in the uh, Southeast Asia and the United States. CCP failed to recognize how they have such um, uh, it's, it's, you know, things already changed. And um, so ref the, with the previous uh, policy of reform and the opening up, uh, the China's door opened with a lot of foreigners and uh, enterprises coming in and brought in the technology. In the past, more, more importantly, is the, you know, steal of the intellectual property from United States and other countries by the CCP using its, um, you know, um, so-called so policy of uh, that not allowing uh, the wholly owned foreign investment companies in the United States. And also, of course, in other espionage um, incidents that it, actions that it implemented so now then in the CCP just, um, but you know, whatever it is doing in the past several decades, actually the Communist China has been doing just one word actually, uh, that's copying. So they copy everything, the, you know, using all different kinds of uh, scheme and ways and they all of a sudden they found oh maybe we are in the front row of the world you know we are the most advanced in technology already however you know the no no it's not uh, continuing anymore including the EU including the United States they all found that uh, it cannot continue that way anymore so all of a sudden there's no one to copy so even though the uh, Chinese Communist government um, thought it's you know already on the front row, but uh, since there's no one to copy anymore, or people are starting to guard against the CCP, then it you know really into trouble. However, um, somehow you know Gen Secretary General. General Secretary Xi Jinping, you know, is not really reading this correctly. And uh, in face of this um, pandemic, it uh, just used this so-called dynamic zero COVID policy. 
and uh, it created so much trouble and so much uh, tra uh, tragedies in Shanghai, in other cities, like the widespread hunger and the conflict between the police and uh, uh, common citizens. And uh, there are mornings everywhere. There are angers, uh, more and more angers uh, from the society. However, you know, Xi Jinping just um, continued. And uh, so that's what happened on May 5th. He spoke at the standing committee of the Politburo of the CCP and uh, made an important speech uh, in regards to the policy against, you know, in re relates to the pandemic prevention. So what he said was, our practice has proven that our prevention and the control policy is determined by the nature and the purpose of the party. So that really tells everything. The policy to, for the Chinese Communist government to respond to the COVID pandemic, they don't really see it as a public health issue. They really see it as a political issue. And they deemed that the policy is determined by the CCP's nature and the purpose. And he continues to saying that our, our prevention and the control policy has stood the test of the history and our prevention and the control measures are scientific and effective. So even though, you know, with all the facts um, or with all the videos, you know, going viral online, he insisted that its policy is effective and scientific. Then he said that we won the defense of Wuhan, which it enacted the severe lockdown in the beginning of the pandemic. And he said, we will also be able to win the defense of the greater Shanghai. He continued saying that uh, we must have a profound, complete and comprehensive understanding of the pandemic prevention and control policy determined by the party's central committee. So it calls for um, to just adhere to the policy that uh, the party has committed. And he said that we will not waver in adhering to the general policy of the dynamic zero COVID and will resolutely fight against all distortions, doubts, and the denials of our pandemic prevention policy. And uh, he called on party committees, governments at all levels, as well as all sectors of the society should unify their thoughts and actions to the party central committee's decision and development uh, and the deployment and, the con and the consciously maintain a high degree of consistency with the party central committee in ideology, policies, and actions. And he also declared that persistence is victory. So that's Xi Jinping's version of bringing the revolution to the end. And so that's actually means that he will do whatever it takes by whatever means to prove that the zero policy is exactly the right thing to do. So here's the problem. 
zero policy is totally wrong, and uh, it's um, it's a you know pervasive. But there's no such thing as um, you know you will be able to kill the uh, virus, but just by just hiding people in the rooms and by just, uh, uh, you know, just like, remember my um, interview with Dr. Robert Malone, and he said that, uh, you know, it's the, the, the virus is just like the rain from the sky and how you can just hide people from it, right? But now Xi Jinping is uh, saying that uh, he's going to cover the sky with his hands, right? So it's, you know, for people who understand the history of the Chinese Communist Party, it's just like in, back in the 1950s, they are, the CCP was touting to have uh, 10,000 pounds of grain per acre is, you know, their requirement, which turned out to be, you know, it's such an absurdity. So, and uh, this is, same thing again, you know, the history just repeats itself. Um, and now that's the same uh, absurdity happens in the year of 2022 in China. So Xi Jinping is going to continue to push forward with this um, zero COVID policy, which is, is, which is destined to make people more angry and they will create um, more, you know, conflicts between the civilians and the government and uh, will absolutely will create more instability inside China. And the CCP actually, they know their, you know, their power grab is really depends on the stability of the society of China, uh, which people just don't know why Xi Jinping cannot get it. And also it has and will continue to create more conflict externally as well because of you know, all these kind of a, a problem, including like the global supply chain. So there's a saying in China, in, in the Chinese culture, saying that if the gods wants to destroy something, it will first make, you know, this thing become crazy. So, yeah, um, so it, you know, maybe the God just want to destroy the Communist Party in China. It's doomed to fail. It's doomed to collapse. And maybe that's what's going on in China right now. So maybe Xi Jinping doesn't even realize what he's doing. But, you know, sometimes the force by the God, you know, it's just in, cannot be avoided. And perhaps that's uh, the destination of the CCP. So, yeah, what do you think? Um, we know, you know, it, there's a lot of um, history behind the CCP that uh, um, we can learn about. But, um, yeah, and uh, so that's how we analyze the current situation in China. Let's see. Um, oh, wow. It's such the time just flies. <laughs> and uh, so I see a lot of um, discussion here. And uh, I don't know if we can go through all, all of these, but um, let's see. 
Patrick saying that what really bothers me is uh, um, Saki's uh, White House refusal to discourage protesters, protesters go to the justice's home. Very, very bad. Yeah, so you were talking about the um, protesters uh, uh, outside of the justice's home. Yeah, that's, that's just, um, you know, again, we saw how the left-wing activists try to pressure those justices in previously, right, uh, uh, in the two um, justices appointment, uh, the uh, nominee hearing. And uh, so we just don't know. We, and we hope the justices would have a strong spine, right? So Louis said that we must defund all government funding of Planned Parenthood it's just the right thing to do. And uh, we know that um, President Trump tried to do that, right? Um, but things changed in this administration. Kitty Hawk saying, praying for Shanghai. Thank you. You know, I think we all, you know, wanted to do that. And um, Louis said, I found the states posted on safe chat. Thank you. And um, let's see. Um, Hollis said, uh, Louis, Kathy told the groups in the, the Daily Mail article, watch the reply later, replay later. Okay, yeah, so yeah, I, I can. Um, if you are referring to the Daily Mail article and if you want the link, I will post it uh, afterwards. And Katie Hawk said, uh, when they rose up, the CCP ran them over with tanks. They denied it. That's true, and that's what happened in uh, on the Tiananmen Square back in 1989. Um, but. Uh, you know, just uh, recently we saw more and more uprising by the Chinese people, including people in Shanghai, in different ways. And uh, so I think it does create um, difficulty when a tyranny, a dictatorship, you know, uses such a force to crush, try to crush people. But uh, they would not always win, actually, if. Uh, the Chinese people really rise up. So yeah, let's pray for the Chinese people, right? All right, let me see this on the safe chat. Um, I don't really have it open right now. So And uh, oh, yeah, one thing I just noticed that on SafeChat, we uh, again I have been increasing the, the subscribers. So thank you for all. Uh, thank you all for you know, doing that. And um, so Alan said, uh, thank you, Kathy. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, Yankee said, time for crazy. <laughs> okay. Uh, And Yankee said, the sound of hope is real news. Thank you. And uh, we do our best, try to bring the 
you know, facts and the truthful information to you so that in um, a lot of times you mentioned that we, what we shared is not, you cannot find it in uh, the mainstream media and uh, some other new, uh, media. So yeah, that's, um, we feel uh, blessed that uh, we have you as audience that appreciates what we provide with you. So, all right, so I think it's a really long show, you know, out of my expectation, but uh, uh, it's uh, great to have you with me for, to share this information and uh, have a discussion. So that's, it for, that's all for today, and uh, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right, good night, bye-bye.